Heavenly Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the opportunity we have to be together. We do thank you for what our brothers and sisters have shared with us in these wonderful times in which we live, the opportunity to celebrate at this time of the year. Your coming to be with us, to become, to become like us and one of us so that you might understand. And Lord Jesus, feel the infirmities, the struggles, the pressures of life be tempted in all points like we are, and yet you did not sin. We thank you to, that you are now our great high priest. We come to you with our burdens and needs. You hear our needs. You understand our ways and our circumstances. And as we see tonight, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for how you provide for us in so many ways. And we thank you for how you heal us and provide for us. May we learn from your word tonight so that we might better follow you in the days that we have in our lives to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, good evening. Good to see all of you. And if you have your Bibles, find your place in Exodus chapter 16. And we'll be looking in Exodus chapter 16 in just a moment. After you find your place in Exodus 16... Uh, tonight, the focal truth of what I'll be focused on, this section has to do with God providing for Israel as they followed Him. So God is providing for Israel as they follow Him. We're just walking our way through the book of Exodus. Exodus is, a, a, it's, a, it's a great word to, it's, ex, it's, it's Exodus. It is the Exodus from Egypt into uh, meeting with God at the mountain of God, and then the movement toward the promised land. And many of us, most of us in here tonight know this story. We know the uh, information, but it's good for us to go back through it. But I want you now, you have your place in Exodus. I want to, for us to understand and appreciate this story, and as Paul says, uh, the Old Testament is given to us as an example with examples for us so that as we believe, we who live in these last days, we might learn from the examples of those who, uh, who lived in these earlier times so that we might learn how to trust God, how to follow God, how to live for the Lord. So with that in mind, I want you to, let's think about what it means for us to follow God as Christians. We're going to see here in just a moment then Moses led Israel, this is 15:22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And we'll come back, and if you have the outline, we'll be looking at that in a moment. But this makes uh, not as much sense to us unless we have a clear understanding of what it means for us to follow God as believers in Jesus Christ. So I call you first of all to Luke chapter 9, and we'll look, and this is immediately following the Lord Jesus feeding the 5,000. And um, this is also uh, when uh, the Lord begins to uh, talk about uh, who He is and what He's going to do. This is where Peter makes the great confession in Luke 9, 20, when the Lord says, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, The Christ of God. And uh, then he goes on and talks about some other things there. But he comes then in verse 23, and this is where I want us to look. To, this is the Lord's call to all of us who are believers today. 
If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For the Lord asks, For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I say to you truthfully, there are some of those standing here who will not taste death till you see the kingdom of God. Then we go over to 1 Peter chapter number 2, 1 Peter 2, and we read uh, some very important words that remind us of our responsibility to follow the Lord Jesus. This is 1 Peter 2, uh, beginning in verse 19. For this finds favor if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. For what credit is there if you sin and are harshly treated? You endure it with patience. But if you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it. This finds favor with God. 21. For you have been called for this purpose, since Christ also suffered for you, leaving you, believers, an example for you to follow in His steps, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in His mouth. While being reviled, He did not revile in return. While suffering, He uttered no threats, but kept entrusting Himself to Him who judges righteously. And He Himself bore our sins in His body on the cross, so that we might, please notice, die to sin, and live to righteousness. For by His wounds you were healed. For you were continually straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. So the Lord says, If anyone wishes to come after Me, if we have a desire to follow Jesus Christ, if we have a desire to know Jesus Christ, if we want to come after Him, we must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. So you who are here tonight, knowing who you are as believers in Jesus Christ, uh, our ambition, our mission is to follow Jesus Christ. Not to follow any particular favorite preacher, person we uh, admire, but to follow Jesus Christ. So I ask you tonight as we begin, we're going to go back and look at Israel and how they followed God uh, through these, these journeys. These are familiar stories. The challenge for all of you here tonight is you know these stories. You teach them to your children and grandchildren. But the question is, do you apply them to your life? And so this will be my challenge with you tonight to take the familiar and hope to bring to your mind something that will make you think. So I'm starting here. How are you doing? I'm not asking you how the person sitting next to you is doing. It's not your job to judge them. It's your job to judge yourself. How are you doing tonight in following Jesus Christ? You see, following Jesus Christ is defined, it, it's a disciple. A disciple is a follower and a learner. So who are you learning from? 
Who are you following? Well, it ought to come out in our language. It ought to come out in our attitudes. It ought to come out in our lifestyle. It ought to come out in our words. If you're a follower of Jesus, uh, isn't this what happened in the book of Acts? They were called Christians. Why? Because they acted like Jesus Christ. So tonight I'm asking you as we begin to start with this question and, and use it all the way through our study here tonight in Exodus. Uh, how am I doing in following Jesus Christ compared to this example of how Israel followed God in the, uh, the wilderness? Notice now, this is an interesting parallel. You know, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you don't know all the things that are going to happen when, it, when you follow Him. You've had surprises just like I have in following Jesus Christ since you were saved. It's interesting. Uh, we read Exodus because we know the story. Remember, we're reading the story of people who didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't know the story. They're not actors playing out a part. You know, this is the unfolding of God's salvation. And as I've said to you many times, the salvation of Israel led to the birth of Jesus Christ. All of this matters. All of this links together. So, uh, we come now, so we, we found uh, Israel celebrating and praising God and singing in uh, Exodus 15. Exodus 15, 1. Then Moses and the sons of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And we spent a detailed amount of time a few weeks ago talking about the song of Moses. And I, I refer you back, if you ever want to listen to any of these things, you can go to the, uh, the podcasts or the website and you can look at what we've already talked about in the book of Exodus. I don't want to review all of that, but here's the, here's the, uh, here's the theme, here's the chorus of the song. Miriam repeats it at the end, verse 21. Miriam, the sister of Moses and Aaron, Sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted. The horse and his rider... He has hurled into the sea. Praise God. There's salvation. The salvation is completely of God. So we sing to the Lord who is highly exalted, the horse and his rider. He has hurled into the sea. Then, 22, then we begin. So we see on the outline, first of all, Moses led Israel to Marah, the place of bitter waters. You don't know where God is going to lead you by the Holy Spirit as a believer in your life. So here they are after this great triumph. Here's all the, as we had read earlier in uh, this uh, chapter, over in chapter 14, there, there all the Egyptians were uh, laying dead on the seashore, on the, on the shore. And now we find Israel after this great salvation, the dividing of the Red Sea, they walked over on dry land. God has again saved them, just like He saved them at Passover. Now He saved them through the dividing of the waters. But now all of a sudden, then Moses led Israel. Remember, they're on their way to worship God at the mountain of God. This is where they're going. This, this journey to the mountain of God. And so they're on their way now. They're on their way. And so Moses led Israel to Marah. To Marah. The, the, the thing we must do when we read the Old Testament is not spiritualize it. We must read it as history. So this is first a historical story. Yes, there are parallels. There are things we learn and we apply them. We can see parallels and types and examples and patterns. 
But first we read the history and see as, it, as these people responded. So they're leaving Egypt. How many, how many did I say? Twenty generations. They were there right at 400 years. Twenty generations have been in Egypt. All they've known is Egypt. Are you listening? All they've known is Egypt. When you were lost, all you knew was being lost. All you knew was being lost. You may have come in a family that was... your whole family, No one knows Jesus Christ. No one knew the Word of God. No one cared about church. No one cared about spiritual things. Generation after generation, they were Jewish Egyptians. That's what they were. Now they're delivered by God. Now they're delivered by God and God now sends their deliverer Moses. They come out. They're now moving out and they're experiencing this. And now all of a sudden, they're being led by Moses the deliverer from the Red Sea out into what is called the wilderness of Shur. And they, they went three days into the wilderness and they found no water. They found no water. So Israel is in the wilderness with no water. And then we read, and they came to Marah. They could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, its name is Marah. Hebrew, bitterness. Bitterness. They came to this place. And then Israel says, 24, what they grumbled. Now they're not singing, they're complaining. Now they're not singing, they're complaining. They've already forgotten how God has provided, how what God has done. There's already forgetfulness. They've seen unbelievable miracles. I would say it's a quite astounding thing to walk across a sea on dry ground. I would, I would say that it's quite astounding to see Pharaoh's army destroyed and dead. I would say that it's quite an astounding thing to hear the moaning and groaning on Passover night as the death angel uh, took all of the firstborn of Egypt, including Pharaoh, and they heard the moans and groans. But they've already forgotten. Now they can't find anything to drink. Uh, the cloud, the pillar of cloud is with them. And yet now they say, what shall we drink? And so Moses cries to the Lord, verse 25. He cries to the Lord. And notice what he says. Uh, he cries out to the Lord and the Lord shows him a tree and he throws the tree into the waters and the waters become sweet. Another miracle. Moses prays for direction. What do we do? The Lord says there's a tree. Throw the tree in the water and the water that was bitter becomes sweet. The bitter becomes sweet. Another miracle of God. God has already provided again for them in their time of trouble in their time of thirst. So God gives Israel a commandment. This is very interesting. This is before the Ten Commandments. Exodus 20, they get to the mountain of God and they receive the, the commandments of God. But already, already what is God teaching these, these, saved, these saved Israelites? What is He teaching these saved Israelites? Well, He says here, the people grumbled at Moses, what shall we drink? Uh, then he, he throws the water in, the waters become sweet, and he makes a statute and a regulation, and there he tested them. You see, this is what God begins to do in the Christian's life. Uh, he tests us. As He leads us, He leads us, and He tests us to see what is in us. 
He tests us. If you will give earnest, and I've listed it here on your outline, God gives Israel a command with a promise. If you listen to God's voice, if you do, now remember, even though this is Old Testament, these are very important parallels to obedience as believers in Jesus Christ. After we've been saved by grace, we must obey. We trust and obey. If you listen to God's voice, do what is right in God's sight. If you listen to the commandments, if you keep all the statutes, I will not put any of these diseases of, that I've put on the Egyptians on you. And then he says, I am Yahweh Rapha, Jehovah Rapha. I am here we have another, another title. God reveals himself again describing a part of his nature. What had he said to Moses at the burning bush? I am that I am. I am. What has he said over and over? I am. I am. He's going to say that again to them tonight uh, in what we look at tonight. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Notice, I am. Present tense. Everyone hearing me. We're following the Lord Jesus Christ who is alive, who is the great I am, who is the one who leads us. And so here we see this beautiful picture of the importance of obeying God as we follow Him. What do we do? We follow and obey the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. We do what He's called us to do. We live like Christians. We're unashamed to say to people, we follow Jesus Christ. We listen to what He has to say. We pay attention to His words. We keep His commandments. And then He has this great promise. At these bitter waters where there would be disease, and all kinds of sickness, he says, I am your healer. I am Jehovah Rapha. Well, then Moses leads them to Elam. So then we move on. And we notice in 27, they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters. What a beautiful picture this is. So now there's a surprise as they follow uh, the, as they follow Moses and he leads them, first he leads them to this place of bitter waters, Mara, the bitter place made sweet by God as he provides. And now they rest and they camp at Elam. They camp there beside 12, think of this in the wilderness, 12 springs of water and 70 date palm trees. Enough for all of these massive amounts of uh, saved Israelites. And they camp there beside the waters. Oh, when you get saved, what a joy it is when we can rest in the Lord. Along our journey, all the rigors, all the struggles, all that we go through, we know that the way of the Lord Jesus is the right way, but the right way is also filled with temptations and challenges and difficulties so now we find these surprising experiences already taking place for Israel, saved Israel. They are um, they're first led to Mara, then God provides for them and they have sweet water to drink. Then they're led to Elam. And you'll notice the detail. By the way, the detail in Exodus is very important. You're reading, you're reading the words of Moses who was experiencing it and there are little details all through this that we discover. They came to Elam and there they were and they camped beside the waters. But then, 16.1, notice the, the description. Notice how the Word of God 
is given. Then, verse 22, then, verse 27, 16.1, then they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. So two and a half months in, now they find themselves this massive group of saved saved Israelites. There they are now coming into the wilderness of sin between Elam and Sinai. They find themselves between the, between the springs of water and the barren wilderness. Elam. Maybe we should just stay in Elam. Maybe we ought to just stay where we've got all of these provisions. We've got, we've got, it, we've got what we need. Maybe we just stay here. But God leads them on. They're on their way to the mountain of God. They're on their way to worship God. So as they go along the way, uh, they've camped beside the waters, but now they find themselves out between the springs of water and Sinai. They all knew what Sinai was. They all knew it's Sinai. You people can get on your internet. Just go type in Sinai. Look at it. It hasn't changed. Sinai. The place of wilderness. Wilderness. Sands and sands and wilderness and desert. Everywhere you look. Why would God do such a thing? Well, again we find Israel in a situation. We read here that they're taken here and now as they're out between Elam and Sinai the whole congregation this is millions of people let's, let's remember the history here it's not a myth this is not a made up little story to get some of our ideas and fancy this is, this is history this is holy history the whole congregation I'm glad I wasn't leading this bunch I can't deal with what I deal with even as a pastor here sometimes. That's enough said of that, but I'll just say. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. There was no break from it. They grumbled. They were singing praise and now, second time, they're grumbling. They're grumbling. And they're grumbling and they also have regret and they're, they're moving quickly toward... Um, blaspheming and dishonoring God in what they say. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt. I hope you've never gotten to the place, but it happens with believers. We're talking about hope in God on Sunday mornings. Yes, great despair can come in the life of Christians. Uh, sometimes we would have regret like this. Oh, I wish I would have just died rather than to be going through what I'm going through now. Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat. Boy, they remember, it's amazing how good what was so bad seems now to them. We sat by the pots of meat when we ate bread to the full. Now please notice those two things. They're going to become very important as we look at the rest of this in a moment. They were eating meat, pots of meat, and they ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, so notice this. Now, this is important. They complain and they say, uh, we had meat and we had bread. We had meat and we had bread. I've given you Psalm 106, 12 to 14. Then they believed His words. They sang, they quickly forgot His works. They did not wait for His counsel, but craved intensely in the wilderness. When I'm following God, I must also learn to allow my desires to become the desires of God. Do you have God's desires in your life? Are you still trying to be a Christian and somehow put together your own fleshly set of desires the way you want it, the way you think it ought to be, rather than submitting to the desires and will of God? This becomes very important for us. Israel is an example. Human nature hasn't changed since Israel's day. We carry the same kind of uh, regret. When, when we find ourselves in a time of need, how easy it is to not believe God and trust Him, but complain because of our circumstance and wish to go back to something we think was better in the past. Talking about the past as if the past was better than what God has for us in the present. This is a very important matter. So what does God promise to do? Well, it's almost as if the Lord says, if you want meat, I'm going to use your southern expression, I'm fixing to give it to you. If you want bread, I'm fixing to give it to you. Notice, then the Lord said, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and I will let the people... And the people shall go out and gather daily every day that I may test them whether or not they will walk by my instructions. Notice this is the second time God speaks about testing His people. You see, God knows there's, no, there's nothing that's come upon you in your life tonight that God is surprised by. There's not going to be anything that comes in your life that's going to surprise God. Oh, I didn't make plans for that, for Mike. Boy, I better rethink my plan. No. <laughs> he already knows. We're the ones who get surprised. God is never surprised. This path He leads us on, this narrow path of following Jesus in this world, has all kinds of situational circumstances in it. I, I, this is what I... I speak to our people about this on, in all the various topics I come across and I'm spending all this time on hope in God because this is such a matter for our people in these days. They have allowed the circumstances of the past few years to somehow magnify for them fear and worry and anxiety at levels that I have not seen in my entire ministry life. And I've been doing this a long time. A lack of faith in God. When we follow the Lord Jesus, we say, no turning back. No turning back. Whether it's the, whether it's the wilderness of Shur or Mara or, or Elam or now the wilderness of sin as they turn toward the Sinai. Toward the Sinai. And they have this regret. We wish we could just go back. We wish we could just go back. But God now says, I'll provide for their hunger. God doesn't deny that they're hungry. God doesn't say that He's not going to 
provide for them. On the sixth day when they prepare what they bring in, verse 5, uh, it will be twice as much as they gather. So Moses and Aaron said to the children of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. Here it goes again. At every, listen folks, some of you have walked with God long enough to know what I'm about to say here. At every, at every point, how, how does our friend uh, Henry Blackaby always say it in the old ways of experiencing God? You know, when there's a point of crisis of faith, God always comes through. Yes, that's exactly right. Here it is again. So, this, he's, the, the, the leaders, Moses and Aaron say to the sons of Israel at evening, again at nighttime, notice it's at night, Passover at night, the deliverance at the Red Sea at night. At night, you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. For He hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what uh, are we that you grumble against us? Let's pause here for just a moment. I don't want to go too long here, but have you considered that when you complain to others about your circumstance, you're actually complaining about God and His care of you? This is a very important matter for us. If you see, see me, well, Pastor Mike, how are you? And I spend all my time grieving, griping, complaining, and you know me to be a follower of Jesus, that's not a good witness for me uh, towards you or toward anyone else. It's certainly not uh, good for us because God hears what we're saying. Oh, by the way, even if you don't say it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart and you think it in your mind, God knows what we're thinking. Complaining as we're seeking to follow God. Complaining because it's not the way we think it ought to be, the way it ought to go, the timing that ought to come, the speed with which things are going along. So we have this wonderful... God knew they wanted meat and bread and bless God, He provided it in a glorious way. So Moses said, This will happen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and bread to the full in the morning. Notice he's quoting them. He's quoting them. We sat by the pots of meat. This was verse 3. When we ate bread to the full, till our gut was full. And now Moses says, uh, to them, well, it's about to happen for you. It's about to happen the way uh, that God will provide for you. So they looked toward the wilderness and the Lord spoke to Moses, I have heard their grumblings. Speak to them. At twilight you eat meat. In the morning you shall be filled and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. Every time God provides for us in our circumstances, He's saying to us again, I'm doing this so that you will know that I am your God. I'm doing this so that you will know that I am your God. Why should it surprise us if the Lord's asked us to follow Him that He won't provide for us? It's interesting as you look at the stories of the Lord Jesus when He was with the disciples. One of my favorite ones. So they needed to pay their tax, their local tax. Peter said, we need to pay our tax. And the Lord said, go fish out there and throw your hook in and pull in the fish. He can go fishing. He pulls the fish in, open the mouth of the fish, and lo and behold, there's your money to pay the tax. 
God provides in very unique ways. All through the Gospels, here's, uh, Peter says, we have forsaken everything to follow you. And the Lord provided and took care of them the entire time He walked with them on the earth. John 17, I have kept all of those whom you have given me. Look, if you're following the Lord Jesus, you are a kept one. You will be provided for. You will be blessed and cared for because you are one of the Lord's. You are a follower of Him. So here we have this. I will do this, 12, so that you will know that I am the Lord. So what happens? We go on. Notice in 13, God provides the quail in the evening and the manna in the morning for hunger. And so it came about in the evening, the quails came up and covered the camp. Millions of quail out in the wilderness. And in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp, and when the layer of dew evaporated, behold, the surface of the wilderness was filled with fine flake, a fine flake-like thing, fine as the frost on the ground. When the sons of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. Here is the beginning of what went on for 40 years. God provided 40 years of manna, heavenly bread. What is it uh, that it's called in Psalms? The food of angels. He provided for them the bread that they should eat. So Israel gathers and eats the manna in verses 15 to 22. When the sons of Israel saw it, what is it? They gather it. So here it is. The Lord's command was this. Gather it, every man, as much as you should eat. You should take an omer apiece, and according to the number of the persons each of you has in your tent, the sons of Israel did it, and some gathered much, some little. When they measured it, they gathered no excess, and they gathered it together, and every man had all that they needed to eat. God always provides exactly what we need to match our need. Moses says, let no man leave any of it until morning. They did not listen to Moses. And some left part of it till morning, and it bred worms and became foul, and Moses was angry with them. In other words, they disobeyed again. They gather it morning by morning, every man as much as he should eat. When the sun grew hot, it would melt away. So we see this wonderful truth that goes about now the providing of manna, which is the food from heaven that God gives for the entire time that Israel is making their way of following God across the wilderness to the promised land. We know they'll turn back. We know there'll be disobedience. We know that there'll be those uh, people who are uh, 20 and older, 21 and older who will die in the wilderness because of unbelief. They do not enter the promised land. Joshua takes them in, nor does Moses enter in. We know that part of the story. But nevertheless, they're on their way and God has provided for them bread from heaven that is fresh every morning. Fresh bread from heaven. And then we discover a discussion about the Sabbath before the giving of the law. Now on the sixth day, this is 22, they gathered twice as much, two omers for each one. And when all the leaders of the congregation came, they told Moses, this is what the Lord meant. Tomorrow is a Sabbath. 
observance, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil and all that is left over put aside to be kept until morning. So they put it aside until morning as Moses had ordered and it did not become foul nor was there any worm. And Moses said, Eat it today for today is a Sabbath to, to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six, 20, 26. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. It came about on the seventh day that some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. They still didn't listen. Then the Lord said, How long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? See, this is the test. This is our test. The Lord has said to us, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The Lord has promised provision, salvation provisions to us. Grace, mercy, forgiveness, restoration, revival and renewal, the blessedness of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, filling us, guiding us, leading us, the Word of God to give us direction. All of these wonderful blessings and provisions that have been given to us for our spiritual life and yet we refuse, we refuse to take them and use them. So he says, 29, See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath, therefore He gives you bread for two days on the sixth day. Remain every man in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Prior to the giving of the law in Exodus 20, they're already learning the importance of resting on their journey of following God. This is a really hard lesson for American Christians. Resting in the Lord and learning how to use our Sunday for a day to think on and rest and prepare ourselves for what God has to say to us. We really need to build it into our schedules somehow. You don't have to be legalistic about it. But oh, what a special thing it is when you can come and be with God's people, hear the Word of God, and then go and have some time on Sunday before everything starts to ramp up again on Sunday nights uh, to get ready for Mondays to just pause and refresh yourself spiritually. If you don't do it on Sunday, I'm asking when do you pause to spiritually refresh? God built the, This is pre-law. This is pre-law. This is prior to the giving of the Ten Commandments. This is a pattern in order to teach us a principle. God created the world in six days and ceased, rested. It was finished. My brothers and sisters, look, I work as hard at it as you do. But you must have seasons of work and rest in your life. The Lord worked those disciples hard. But then you know what he would say? It's time for us to go over here by ourselves and rest. Don't uh, think rest is laziness. Resting in the Lord is more than just trusting in God. It is truly giving yourself the time to reflect on the things of God. If you're wound up, if you're you know, running around like a termite in a yo-yo, if you cannot even stop, if you go day and night, if you never stop, don't be proud of the fact that you go all the time. The sad thing will be what happens when you can't keep going like you're going. Learn the pattern 
And here's what the Lord said with His ongoing debate with His Jewish friends. What did He say? I got it here on your sheet. When they were arguing with Him about Sabbath, you know, telling a man, listen, think of this. I'm not trying to chase this rabbit. This is, okay, the Lord says to a man, a dear man who's never walked, pick up your mat and go. And these people were all worked up about it because they missed the whole point. As the Lord says, I read it to you, Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for man. God made time in the schedule. God has constantly seek, has sought to tell us in our busyness there must be rest. There must be rest. And it must be spiritual rest. Not just sleeping. So I want you to consider that. The P, I love this verse, verse 30. This is pre-giving of the Ten Commandments. So the people rested on the seventh day with bellies filled with bread from heaven and they just had a whole big bunch of quail. I don't know how you like your quail, but I always like to fry them up. But anyway, that's a different story. Now what about this matter of manna? You know the Hebrew word is man. It means, what is it? I literally mean, that's what it means in Hebrew. The Hebrew word for manna is, what is it? <laughs> so, they put the what is it in a jar, and it remained, the what is it remained. I'm not making, you all, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm just telling you. The house of Israel named it, what is it? Verse 31. And it was like a coriander seed, white, and its taste was like wafers with honey. And I'm ready for some of that right now. Then Moses said, this is what the Lord has commanded. Let, let an omer of it be kept throughout the generations. And so we're, it was in the Ark of the Covenant. All the way along the way, there was that, what is it? What is it? I, I'm tempted, but here it is. So, when God provides for you sometimes in your circumstances when you're following the Lord, you know what you say? What is it? What is it? What is this that God is doing? What is this God has done? I've never seen anything like this. No, of course you haven't. That's the way God provides. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.3 He humbled you. This is, now this was Moses' sermon. Remember, you have Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Detailed information about the, the salvation of Israel. But then you have, are you ready for this? Deuteronomy is one sermon. That's one sermon. Aren't you glad? I don't, some of you, you know, it's like Ryan Wicker's kids. You know, his boy. He's learned my outline. You know, it has observations, things to remember, and daily use. And he always says, just when I start, Dad, is Pastor Mike about to daily use? No, I just started. <laughs> How would you like to be in Deuteronomy? He humbled you and let you be hungry and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. In the wilderness He fed you manna, which your fathers did not know. What is it? <laughs> what is it? What's God doing? What is this? That He might humble you and that, you, that He might test you. 
to do good for you in the end. And what did the Lord Jesus say? I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, he will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. Now, I do have some things for us to remember. Where God leads, He provides. What God provides is enough and lasts. Where God leads, He is present. Where God leads, He is glorified. But this is for you and me. Where God leads, He tests. Where God leads, He tests. Maybe we use the word disciplines. Where God leads is never impossible. And as God leads, He requires obedience and faith, not unbelief. And as God leads, temptations will come. Well, is God going to come through? If you've walked with God for any amount of time, how could you ever say, is God not going to come through? How could you say it? How could you speak in unbelief when you know all of the blessed things that God has done for you in your past? So, what did Paul say? Daily use in honor of Ryan's son. What's, his, what's that boy's name? Yeah, John. Do not crave evil things as Israel craved evil things in the wilderness. Let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. Oh, that'll never be me. I'll never question God as I follow Jesus. Okay. And then on down in that very chapter, this is that famous verse, but notice where it's tied to. It's tied to Paul teaching on how Israel lived in the wilderness and how they were tempted to not believe God. Notice, no temptation along your way as a follower of Jesus that has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will make a way of escape that you will be able to endure it. Lord, we're, we're thirsty. The water is bitter. Moses, throw the tree in there. And the water was sweet. Paul said it to the Philippians, and I say it to all of you, my friends, and all of you listening to us tonight. My God will supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Can anybody say amen? amen? That's what we need to say. Heavenly Father, thank You for the Word of God. Too many times we find ourselves like Israel in a state of complaining and grumbling. Forgive us when we have grumbled and complained, Lord. Forgive us when we have not believed and trusted You. Forgive us when we have... when we have dishonored you for what you have already done and you will do in our lives. We're following you, Lord Jesus, to heaven. You've gone before us. You're our forerunner. You're there. You've made the way for us. Now we follow it and we share the gospel all the way along the way so that we might be truly committed followers of Jesus and do our best to glorify God in all the days of our life. Bless my brothers and sisters here tonight and those listening that we might, to the glory of God, be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.